Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, which is treading into rather unfamiliar waters this time, discussing an Everton loss in the 2020-21 season. Uh, The Blues were beaten for the first time this weekend and our panel are ready to dissect every last detail, while no doubt keeping the positivity as high as possible. I'm your host Adam Jones, joined by Sam Carroll, Dave Prentice and Gav Buckland, where we will discuss missing Richarlison among other players and that Dean red card in a little while. But to kick off, Dave, that was a very different Everton performance than we've been used to this season, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it, it was flat. It was lacking in urgency. Uh, I, mean, I don't think we played particularly well in the derby match, but we were always in it, and uh, you know, we were always like creating chances, and there was always like a little bit of uh, tempo about our performance, and there wasn't. I mean, there was a, a reasonable first fifteen or twenty minutes. Reasonable as being kind. Uh, but after that, Southampton just seemed to, you know, get about us far more effectively, you know, so than we could get about them. And obviously, there were contributory factors. You know, there were key players missing. Richarlison's absence underlined once again how important he is. I think we learned that, you know, Godfrey, very, very, you know, talented player that he is, isn't really a fullback. You know, he can fill in, you know, you know sometimes. But no, he looked looked a little bit like a fish out of water at times. And uh, I have to say, a couple of curious decisions by the manager as well. Uh, I thought Abdullah Dikori was our best performer by some way. And, uh, you know, when he was taken off, I found myself scratching my head a little bit. So, yeah, there were a number of things that went <laughs> wrong on the day. It just wasn't a particularly good performance. Just, just want to forget, you know, sort of move on. I don't think we can learn anything from it, really. Uh, we've just got to make sure we rectify it very, very quickly uh, this Sunday. Mm. It was goals from James Ward-Prowse and Che Adams that were enough to get the win for Southampton, Gavin. I think the problem that a lot of Everton fans saw was that Southampton didn't really have to try very hard to score either of them goals, did they? Yeah, can we just pack in now, Ad, and <laughs> pack in the podcast? <laughs> I know summed it up, as ever, pretty succinctly there. <laughs> can we, you know, I say, I'm not used to doing all this. This is so black season or whatever, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, in some respects, a similar game to the league game with Goodison in July, whenever it was, where their midfield appeared to outmanoeuvre ours and played around us and played through us. Gaps between the midfield and defence... Um, and they, they, they've got good players, haven't they? In the middle, I like Ward Prowse, I like Armstrong, is it? And Romeo, good players, you know. And as I said on Friday, they're really well coached team. There's echoes of, of, of them, but you know, the season Pochettino had before he went to Spurs, you know, those Pochettino probably have better players, but you know, in terms you can tell the team's well coached, you know, exactly what they're doing. Um, and they, they play through our midfield, not, not at will, but with ease and obviously targeted. You know, their left-hand side, our right-hand side. Plus, we didn't defend well. Um, and let's face it, it could have been more, couldn't it? 2-0 could easily have that goal disallowed, quite rightly. 
could easily have been three or four. There was a couple of skirmishes at the end, of, you know, in our six-yard box and stuff. So not a great afternoon. The one thing I would say, not only did we have players missing, I, I suspect there was probably at least two of our players who aren't fit mm. on uh, on Sunday. I don't think Rodriguez was fit. I still don't think Callum's fit, to be honest with you. He didn't look fit in the derby. He's he's mm. he's playing at sort of 80% of the intensities. It wasn't the opening, opening month of the season. And he, he looked off the pace yesterday. So I think some mitigation... But I think um, it was just one of those days, really, that, um, as Carlo said, just get a, get off, get home and forget about it. Mm. I mean, Gav makes a good point there, Sam. You know, we uh, we watched the game together yesterday, didn't we? And I remember saying to you before kickoff that uh, Everton needed to try and dominate that midfield area, especially with the formation that Everton had. We had an extra body in that midfield area, but... It didn't really look like that throughout the game, did it? You know, Southampton were the ones who were dominating. They were dragging Everton's midfield over. And as Gav says, they were exploiting us down our right-hand side. Yeah, kind of. It was quite disappointing for, for Godfrey, I think, in the end. It, it had shades of uh, of John Stones when he played right back in the derby that time, didn't he? And, you know, you kind of think about these ball-playing defenders that they can kind of just do everything because they're that good on the ball. But... It is a whole different position, isn't it? And, and and that did get shown up a little bit. And they were they were getting through the lines. You know, Hassan Huttle said, didn't he, after the game, that they, they didn't actually mean to exploit Godfrey, which, you know, it's whether you take him at face value or not on that. But he was quite right in that. They kind of dragged us out of position and, and did just get through uh, in, in between us and into the little gap. So, um, I don't know. I think it was just... I think I was texting Chris Beasley about it this morning just to... Just a name drop, one of my famous Echo mates there. <laughs> uh, and, and and to be honest, I, I thought it was as bad a performance yesterday as it was some of the some of the games we saw last se- towards the end of last season, just because, you know, we apart from a, a Sigurdsson effort, which, you know, sh- shows the quality that he's got in striking the ball, that we, we didn't have one chance. We, we didn't have one moment, really, that got you off, off your seat to go, go on, you know, we, we might score and and that was what was more disappointing. We just totally lacked ideas. And it does kind of show now the risk that Everton have taken that, you know, if it, we, we've loaned out Moise Keane, um, you know, we, we let Theo Walcott go back to Southampton. We, we've lost attacking options. And, and especially in that centre-forward area, when something's not working out, you know, we haven't got that option to maybe go to a two up front uh, because of Richarlison's injury. You know, we did miss him massively. So... You know, I, I feel like that got highlighted yesterday, but at the same time, I think you said it in the analysis, and as Gav said, as as Carlos said, it's it's one of them. We we just got to move on, but we we can't have we can't have games like that because it, it saps confidence, not just um, you know loses points and, and lost opportunities to to push on a little bit more at an early stage of the season. There, so it was disappointing, but we it's got to be a one-off. It can't be now like it was towards the end of last season where. You know, we have two or three weeks of those performances, as Gav said. Hopefully now a nice long week can get Allen and, and Hammers back because we desperately need them at 100% to, to beat Newcastle. Mm. I think the midfield is an interesting point, isn't it, Dave? Because we were talking at the start of the season, especially after that Spurs game, about how our midfield had been transformed almost with the additions of Abdullah Decore and Alan. And you know, in performances since then, they've again proven to be uh, revelations in that midfield area really and 
on paper, looking at the lineup for that game, obviously Gomez was out of the team and Sigurdsson was in there. It still looked like a midfield that was capable of winning that game, didn't it? But by the time you know the the game actually started, they seemed like as Gab said, you know, Allen seemed a bit off the pace. Sigurdsson was off the pace. I think uh-huh. Decore probably played quite well, but as a, as a unit, they just didn't really live up to that to that hype this time, did they? Yeah, I think when we saw the team sheet, I think everybody would have been pretty much in agreement with what they saw. Because Gomez hasn't done particularly well over the last uh, two or three games. Sigurdsson's looked bright when he's been involved. And so, you know, speaking for myself, but I, think I didn't hear many you know, dissenting voices. I think there were like nods of acknowledgement. And yeah, yeah, Sigurdsson deserves his chance. That midfield looks decent. But I think maybe... The balance isn't quite the same as it was, you know, with Gomez in there. Even a poorly performing Gomez seems to add a little bit more structure and a little bit more balance to that midfield. And I totally get what, you know, um, what Gav was saying about Alan. Because, yeah, he doesn't look quite as dynamic as he did um, in the early part of the season. And he does look like he's still, you know, sort of carrying the after effects of the groin problem he had. Um, you know, so still seems to be recovering from that. When you add into that, Rodriguez also seemed to be, you know, sort of labouring a little. It was a bit of a worry when you saw him stretching his hamstring, you know, sort of 10 minutes from the end. Um, and, but the, the big one for me, really, was, was Seamus Coleman. I think we underestimate how important he's been this season. I mean, it was just referenced earlier by, by Sam, I think, about how um, unique the fullback role is in modern football. And Coleman's done such a great job this season, both going forward, but also defensively, which allows Rodriguez to have that freedom to do what he does ahead of him. You take Seamus out of the equation and you're asking, you know, a promising youngster to come in there and do exactly the same. And, you know, I think that was the one area that where we probably suffered the most. So if you add all that together, you know, that, that's three or four vital elements of the team suffering some kind of problem. It's probably no surprise, really, that we looked so far off the pace and we're, you know, we're so well beaten in the end. Mm. I think, as, as Preno saying there as well, I think the, the two players to have the best games yesterday were, were Seamus Coleman and Andre Gomez. And, and you know, they haven't, they haven't <laughs> kicking, yeah. kicking the ball. Just because, you know, seriously, though, I think that a lot of people have kind of realised now that, you know, Seamus has had a bit of stick over the last few years, hasn't he? When his, you know, I think as naturally happens to anyone is he wasn't the Seamus Coleman of old and I think it took him a bit of time to kind of find out who he is as a as an older footballer without maybe that little yard of pace and that little bit of dynamism but you know the same the same thing has happened yesterday where we we did miss him and and as Preno say and weirdly you know I I don't think Gomez was even the same pre his his horrible injury last season and I think we all kind of gave him that second half of the season wasn't great but Look, what an amazing recovery he'd made. So, so I think everyone accepted that, but probably still hasn't been the same this season. But at the same time, as Preno was saying, maybe he kind of just is doing that, those little quiet jobs kind of in the background that, that we're not noticing as much because, you know, now it's like you're just desperate now for, for Newcastle. I hope that, you know, Gomez comes back in. Hopefully we, we can get Coleman back in, but that's not too certain. So it's probably going to be John Joe Kenny. But, you know, Really disappointing for me yesterday that Awobi, Sigurdsson, I won't put Godfrey in there because as we've said, he's playing out of position, but Awobi and Sigurdsson had you know, a big chance there to, to kind of 
put themselves into the thinking of the manager. And, and if anything, now they're, they're probably going to be a couple of steps back. Mm. I think staying with Coleman for a minute, Gav, I mean, it's not just, for me, it's not just missing Coleman as an individual and as the club captain, but I think that dynamic that he's had with James Rodriguez, that sort of partnership that he's had with, a, you know, a new player coming into the side down that right flank has been really important to help him, you know, settle into the side and to... Yeah. And to really show his best play uh, so far at Everton, uh, like and obviously it was it was quite it was quite apparent yesterday that Coleman wasn't there. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, even if Coleman was there, I think you're more likely going to attack our right hand side of the defence, aren't you, more than the left hand side? Uh, purely because, well, two reasons: Senior and Richarlison are quite a strong combination, aren't they? Defensively, because Richarlison will cover back. Uh, we're on the opposite flank. You know that Rodriguez is not going to put in <laughs> put in the shift. <laughs> Don't think he puts in the shift going forward. Really, to be honest with you. But, uh, I think so. You're always naturally going to attack our left hand side of defence. To be honest with you, yeah. Even if Coleman's there, but that was exacerbated yesterday uh, because um, Godfrey was playing. I think also as well, which was slightly worrying, is I think we missed Seamus's whatever you call it leadership qualities. Uh, this amorphous phrase, I know, but I, I felt we lacked. A, we looked like we were lacking a little bit of leadership and direction yesterday, particularly in the second half. And um, I think Seamus, Seamus, uh, <laughs> this is going well, isn't it? Uh, Seamus <laughs> give, gives us that and has done this season. I think. I think with Coleman is. I think the better player he is. I think the better leader he is. You know what I mean? I think he sort of like confidence thing. It, mm. It's no spoil that. Um, he looks a bit flat as a skipper when he's been struggling, but when he's been playing well, he looks a far more effective and confident leader. And I think we missed that yesterday because I just felt in the second half we were a bit flat. Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's it, it, we, you know a change of team because his career effectively appeared to be you know not not drawn to a close last season, but you could maybe see an end of it. But being reborn this year, we certainly missed him yesterday. Uh, for the footballing and non-footballing reasons. Mm. And then moving from right back to left wing, Preno, obviously another player that we were missing, such an influential player, was Richarlison. And it was Alex Iwobi who was chosen to start to try and replace him. And, you know, personally, I thought he started quite well in those first 15 minutes, which is probably the most frustrating thing. He was finding a few spaces. You know, he cut inside and got a shot off. He put a cross in just behind Calvert-Lewin. And I was thinking to myself at that point, oh, Alex Iwobi might be standing up to show what he can really do here. But then for the for the remainder of the, you know, 45 minutes that he ended up getting on the pitch, he really didn't show all that much, did he? I think that's, uh, that's fair. Um, his, his bright start was very short-lived. Uh, for me, he just makes too many bad decisions. I mean, maybe we underestimate how effective that you know, dovetailing is between Richarlison and Dinia. Because th- there was one moment uh, where he actually found some space in the penalty area. And uh, Dinia made a great run to actually you know, sort of overlap. And he just needed to be played in. And then he had a, a cross across the six-yard box, hopefully for somebody to knock in. And he didn't. He ignored the pass and he checked back. And I think that might be the shot you're talking about that, that he got off. And you know, he thought, oh... It's only a subtle thing, but if you just made that pass, you know, which probably Richarlison would have done, it would have been that much more dangerous. And from that point, it just progressively got worse until there was that embarrassing moment where he just missed the, uh, the ball on the byline entirely. Um, and no, it was an opportunity for him. 
and he didn't take it. You know, I, I try not to be too harsh on Edward because I think he's been unfairly criticised at times by uh, some sections of the fan base, but certainly he didn't do anything yesterday to to warrant you know his inclusion. Personally, I would have liked to have seen Anthony Gordon start, and I wasn't saying that in the a hindsight. I, w- I wanted to see that you know before kickoff, but I think we all realised that Iwobi was going to get the nod uh, because Ancelotti you know likes the qualities he has. But I think Gordon just brings a bit more dynamism to the team, a little bit more directness, a little bit more penetration, and you know, I, strangely, I think he probably would have uh, you know dovetailed better with Dina, uh, but it wasn't to be. You know, he only came on. Uh, you know, for the, the last half an hour or so, was it? And he did okay when he was on as well. Uh, but no, it, it will be missed a big opportunity there. And you, you may find he doesn't get too many more like that in the future. Mm. Gav, do you agree with that? You know, obviously, Iwobi was given the chance at the start, I think, as Breno references there. You know, Gordon was, it, it was a little bit too little too late by the time he came on. Yeah. I thought, and I thought, I felt a little bit sorry for him. But, you know, we don't want to be looking ahead to the Newcastle game too much in this podcast. But, you know, would you expect... Gordon to be the one given the nod next time around rather than a Wobi on the back of that. It's an interesting one. I'll tell you what, give me a few days to think about it. I'd, uh, <laughs> I think to be fair, uh, I, I, I'm, I, thought, I thought it was okay. I mean, his decision making was woeful, wasn't it? It was two or three times he got into good positions and, you know, didn't play people in. Um, and the one, which was the ball, was it the one Pickford played to him? He was in loads of space. I can't remember on the back. On the touchline, he just sort of let the ball go into touch. Rodriguez, um, <laughs> I can't remember, but he had the great ball. So he's in here, and he's just the ball just sort of like like I do in five sides. He just let it go past. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, the one thing mm-hmm. I would say about Wolby, though, we said we play, I'd be playing. We all agreed on the uh, Friday that we play in there. It's not as natural position. It does beg the question what his natural position is, mind. Um, but I just thought he had an opportunity. He said on Friday that hopefully he gets three games to show what he's capable of. After half a game, you're thinking, well, we've already been given the answer there, haven't we? Um, yeah, I can come. So I just thought it was, uh, it was poor. He sort of, but he wasn't the only one, was he really? So we've got to have that, you know, uh, that in the back of our minds. But put it this way, he didn't do many, didn't do himself any favours there, really. Uh, and Anthony Gordon, you know, a you know, young cultish Anthony Gordon showed a bit more enthusiasm, didn't he, when he came on the pitch? Um, a bit more dynamism, but um, it's it's an incestive one, really, at what happens on um, on you know on the Newcastle game, which we'll talk about later in the week. I was going to just say, by the way, I was in good point that Sam raised, which I I was thinking of. We spoke the other week, didn't we, about our lack of forward opportunities where Keane when Keane went. Mm. But whether we needed to, to bring another striker in, and whether at some games this year we'd, we'd, we'd miss having another striker to bring off the bench, and you seen that yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, that's yeah, quite same. obvious. We need to get somebody to get somebody by Carver Lewin, and maybe go four four two or something. And then Sam was spot on with that point. Uh, mm. I thought it was, you know, it, 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 we said effectively the same a few weeks ago on the pod. Yeah, well, Sam, I think uh, in t- in terms of a Wobi again, I think. You know, it's a, it's a thankless task, really, trying to step up and replace Richarlison in the Everton team, isn't it? You know, he is such an influential and a unique player, of course. But, you know, we were speaking again before the game and, you know, I remember you saying that you thought the Wobie's position was best out wide. Do you do you maybe have your mind changed at all after, after that performance? I just think that, you know, the, the thing sometimes is, is, is timing can, can be everything, can't it? And, and I think... 
as Preno saying, which which I agree with, I, I do think Awobi has just got kind of a a knack of having terrible timing in terms of his his form. You know, it kind of felt like when he first joined and people kind of weren't sure about the sign, and he he, he seemed really really good. I remember the early performances against like Wolves and you know the game we went to at Lincoln in the Carabao Cup. I think he got a couple of goals, uh, and I think the Wolves game was where he did play down the middle. Um, and then since then, it's kind of felt like he, he's kind of had a few bright cameos, but every time he's been given a chance and his time has come to say, go on, you know, start, let's see what you can do. He, he, he just hasn't taken it. And I do think a lot of it is down to what Preno says. It's, it's that his, his decision-making at times is it's not just poor, it's, it's bewildering. He's, he's got that kind of Ross Barkley knack of when everyone thinks he should shoot, he passes, and when everyone thinks he should <laughs> passes, he shoots and... You know, you can sometimes, you can almost sometimes see his his, his brain working when he's on the ball, and, and he just doesn't seem to kind of just have that little little bit of kind of football brain that you, that you need to, to take that next step up. You know, he's he's got the attributes, I think. You know, he to 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 be a, a Premier League player, but mentally, I, I think it's a, it's going to be a question for him now. Um, could he work in that three? I, I think he probably could as the player pushing forward, but I think he would probably. You know, I, I wouldn't trust them there against, you know, if we were playing City or Liverpool or, or teams like that. So, you know, it, it begs the question, where is he going to fit for the rest of the season? Because a fit Calvert-Lewin start and a fit Clemens to start and a fit Richarlison, they will play 38 games if, if available. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, where his place in this team is, in a team that's not in Europe, is, is a tough one. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's a difficult one for me at the moment. And... and Look at the end of the day, it's with the fixtures and with the results going the way they are. We, we've got to be targeting, you know, a fourth, fifth, sixth place finish this season. So, you know, Carlo's got to play the best team available to him each game. And after that performance yesterday, I, I generally don't know when his next opportunity is going to come. But having said that, you know, we are light in in, in the attacking kind of third. Carlo's put a lot of faith in him and Bernard and Gordon to, to kind of be the backups this season because you know we don't have a lot of depth to the side at the moment so you know, his, his chance might come again but he's got to get that timing right because at the moment it's it's often you know it's causing a lot of kind of people to to lose faith in them which is as we've seen with a lot of Everton players it's it's difficult to get back The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Right, well, we've discussed two players that Everton were missing against Southampton. And unfortunately, as things stand, at least it seems that Everton will be missing another important player for the next three games after Luca Dean was sent off in the second half for a uh, coming together, let's call it, with uh, Kyle Walker-Peters as uh, he was running back to try and defend. Uh, Preno, what do you make of that red card? I mean, to me, it looks like a, a, just a clear accident, to be honest. And I think Carlo Ancelotti agreed after the game as well, didn't he? I agree with him as well, yeah. It just looked like he was uh, he was chasing the player. It looked like he almost knew uh, a coming together was inevitable, which is why his hands went up. And, uh, you know, in some quarters, that's been seen as an admission of guilt, which is absolute nonsense. I mean, you, you listen to the views of fellow professionals, uh, fellow professionals, well, you know, so professional footballers, former footballers, Jamie Redknapp immediately after the game said that that's got to be rescinded, that that's just nonsense. Uh, Kieran Dyer said exactly the same. 
Gary Lineker tweeted uh, a tweet that last time I looked had been retweeted over 18,000 times saying that, what, you can't even chase a player anymore. You know, so what's the game coming to? It's clearly an accident. Um, now, there are some people on Merseyside that won't agree with that and they all tend to uh, support the other shower across the park because uh, I've had conversations <laughs> with uh, Liverpool fans this morning who are absolutely adamant that clearly it was uh, an assault and clearly it was, uh, it, it was wrong and you know, they, uh, it was a correct decision. They're obviously still seething after uh, last week and I do understand why Carlo Ancelotti said that um, did all the talk about Richarlison and Van Dijk during the week affect the, uh, the officials and influence the officials Maybe only subliminally, but you know, if you've been hearing all week that Everton are a gang of hatchet men that have been like sort of trying to kick a team off the park, and then you see one of their players involved in an incident which leaves a player with a very, very you know sore Achilles, maybe you know it doesn't take too long to come to the conclusion that something illegal has taken place. You should have looked at it again. You know, clearly, if it was a red card, you should have run over to the monitor. I mean, I don't know if he did, but the television certainly never showed that he did that. He appeared to show a red straight away. Uh, but to me, it was an accident. Uh, I think a three-game ban for that is very, very harsh in the extreme. And uh, I think it should be rescinded. I don't think it will be, because uh, I think the criteria for that is you've got to prove that an obvious you know, error has taken place. And does that come under the category of obvious? I, I don't know. There's enough sufficient you know, grey area in there for the referee to be able to justify his decision. But I think it's wrong. I think it was very, very harsh. And unfortunately, we just have to live with it. Well, Carlo Ancelotti said after the game that Everton would be appealing the decision. They had until 1pm today to submit that appeal. Uh, as, of, as of the time of recording, we don't know whether they have submitted it after the game. He didn't mince his words, let's say that. He said... It was a joke. It was not intentional. It was not violent conduct. So they could have checked it better. Now, we were talking before yeah. the podcast and you had very strong views about this yourself, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, uh, which I'll repeat now without the swear words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, now, seriously, um, but the first question I would ask is, and then it's going about consistency, how can you send Luca Dean off yesterday and he can't send Andy Robertson off last week? Mm-hmm. But a premeditated yeah. kick on the back of somebody's legs as other players running away. Mm. I know they take an intent out of the law and stuff, but to me that doesn't feel right. I don't want to drag old Derby ground out, but they're, they're like two compar- you know, comparable incidents that you compare. One player gets sent off, another player doesn't. With a player who doesn't, who's not being sent off, deli- you know, deliberately kicks another player, could have caused you know, some, some injury there, but stays on the pitch. Uh, I, I'm amused at that. And I, I, I'm with Preno. I mean, as you know, I uh, my, my my first protocol on these type of incidents is to, to look at the laws of the game. Now, Law, law 12 says violent conduct. Um, so he can't be done for serious foul play because he's, he's not challenging for the ball. So it's Ian Gallagher this morning on Left Watch on Sky said he's, he should be sent off for serious foul play. But he can't be because he's not he's not challenging for the ball. And the law 12 says you have to be challenging for the ball. If you're not challenging for the ball and there's some sort of incident, then it's violent conduct. And law 12 says, and I'll quote you this because I can see my computer screen, violent conduct is when a player uses or attempts to use excessive force or brutality against the opponent when non-challenging for the ball. Now, I, I don't see... He wasn't deliberately. I know intent's been taken out. We said that that wasn't excessive force or brutality. It was just a, it was just an accident, wasn't it? It was just yeah. a natural 
way of running. Excessive force, to me, implies that you, you have a natural way of doing things and, a, and an acceptable way, but you do something completely different, you know, um, yeah. you know, um, far, you know, to a far greater level of intensity or, or force, whatever you use it. He would not, Luca Dean was running in a, in a natural way. And mm. accidentally, the lads, the leg got caught underneath him. Um, so I don't think that really suits what Law 12 says. He wasn't running in an excessively violent man, was he? You know? yeah. um, and so I don't see how you can send them off. And you have to surely, you know, as Pano said, at least have a look at the VAR. Um, and, and, and I can't believe that. It's like with the Pickford thing last week, that people say things about why somebody should be sent off. But don't refer to the laws of the game or justify within the boundaries of the laws of the game, you know. And and in both cases, both Pickford and Dean yesterday, I don't think by the laws of the game, neither of them, you know, obviously Jordan wasn't. And I don't and uh, that Dean should have been sent off. Um mm. you know, and it's, it's funny you should say that, Gad, that you should reference Dermot Gallagher, because uh, Keith Hackett this morning, who's like the former referees chief. Uh, was on Twitter, and he basically agreed with yourself there. He said that there's no way that he believed Lucas Dina should have been sent off. Uh, he thought it was uh, an error, and he did say, I believe, yeah. Everson are appealing. He didn't actually suggest whether he thought that that appeal would be successful. Uh, but, yeah, there is a former referee's chief who's going completely against what the current referee's chief is saying. Yeah, because the current referee's chief, and I mean, there's obviously referees a lot more games than what I have. I've tried to referee games while playing them, but um, I said something that, as by my reading of the laws of the game, which are quite straightforward, it is impossible to be sent off for serious foul play um, while you're not challenging for the ball. You can only, you can only be sent off for violent conduct. Um, and and I think that, that so, so that's what I mean. If, if you say inflammatory things like that on the television, justify them. Um, yeah. And I think I just I just think it was I just don't I just don't think it was right what he was saying, you know. Mm. Um, and um, I, I just think Dean can count himself unfortunate, but I do get the theory what people have said before Sunday's game, and and what's been said this morning as well. That um, shall we say there may have been. A you know a psychological you know, you know need to punish Everton at some point in the game on uh, on Sunday, and I get you know and I, I certainly wouldn't disagree with people said that it wasn't a coincidence mm. that Zini was well, sent off. Well, Sam, I'll read out the further quote from Ancelotti at the end of that game, which kind of references that point. He said, maybe all the rumours during the week against Pickford and against Richarlison affected the decision. It's not right. It's not fair. Now, do you think that Ancelotti's got a point there? Potentially, yeah. It's just a tough one, isn't it? That for me, it's just more a failing of, of where we are with football now. In, in that, uh, a, a lad running to chase back like what we've all done. You know, if you've ever played the game of footy in your life, you've stood on the back of someone's foot. It's, it, it's just completely natural, isn't it? And, um, and and that's a red card now because we have these screens and we can slow things down. And, you know, it's just so robotic. You know, every anyone with a bit of common sense, unless you're a, you're a Liverpool fan, basically, would, would not say that's a, that's a red card. You know, and... And maybe it did play into the fact last week that a lot got made of these tackles and a lot got made of Pickford not getting sent off and a lot got made of 
the tackle from Richarlison. You know, it, it probably wouldn't surprise me at the moment. I just think it's more... It's just almost getting bored now, isn't it? You know, every... You know, I, all right, you can't get into these, you know, good old days type shouts because VAR was brought in to try and perfect football. But at the same time, you know, I look back to maybe four or five years ago and each weekend maybe you would have one or two things on match of the day where you'd be saying, oh, you know, looking back now, that, that was probably just offside or, you know, referees had a holiday, that was never a pen. But it, it just kind of felt like it was footy, wasn't it? And it was real and it was... As long as that linesman's flag didn't go up, you were you were celebrating goals and stuff like that. But now it just feels it's not every week, every single game in the Premier League. There's a talking point about VAR, whether it be a red card, an offside, a goal, uh, and, and it's, I'm just totally sick of it now. It's just it's boring. It's, mm. it's not funny, is it? <laughs> yeah, I think we're all bored of VAR. So. We'll change the subject, and I did say that we would <laughs> we would try and find some positivity. So, Preno, I'll come to you for the positive note uh, to start. Everton is still top of the league. If you'd have offered at the start of the it, look, that's a that's a big positive, isn't it? If you'd have offered Everton fans 100%. at the start of the season after nine games, seven wins, a draw, and only one defeat, then you've got to say that the snapping their hands off at that is happened, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. You can't be getting too down about it. I mean, uh, it, it's it's been a much better start than we anticipated, I think. Um, we've had a couple of very, very tough tests in there. You know, sort of Tottenham away, the Derby match, uh, a number of games that you would hope that we would win. And then we've got, of course, uh, our jinxed competition, uh, the League Cup in its various guises that we've managed to get our way through to the quarterfinals of. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you'd have offered us that opportunity before the season kicked off, absolutely brilliant. No, we can't get too down. There were a few issues at the weekend. You know, the squad clearly still needs a little bit of strengthening in some areas. It's not fit for maybe a top four assault just yet, even though that's what we might end up doing this season. Uh, but, you know, Ancelotti's only had you know one transfer window. You know, he's only, uh, you know, so brought, you know, sort of one set of players in. So it's still very, very early in, I hate to use this phrase, you know, his managerial project. Um, but it is, um, you know, I think the bottom line is we've enjoyed watching Everson this season. Okay, Sunday was awful. You know, so Sunday was a very, very poor performance. And, you know, the, the cricket has forgotten about the better. But how many other games this season have you sat back and loved watching? I've certainly really enjoyed watching me football again this season. And I couldn't say that for a large chunk of the second half of last season. So, yeah, let's not beat ourselves up. You know, it was, it was a bad performance. Let's hope it's a one-off and not the start of a little run. Uh, but all in all, it's been a pretty good start to the season so far. And yeah, we're still top. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, Gav. At the end of the day, obviously, you don't want to disregard these issues completely. But, no. you know, every every team has their bad days, don't they? And, you know, I think we've said on the podcast multiple times this season that Everton have overcome, like, sort of mental barriers, you know, winning away against the top six side in the first game of the season, you know, getting pegged back in a few games and managing to yeah. battle back to win or draw against Liverpool as it was. So, you know, Everton have shown a bit of a change in mentality this year and they'll need to show that again really next time round, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. There's lots of positives to take. You know, just a bad day at the office, which, uh, which hopefully we can, you know, we can address during the week. I just, I think the last time we uh, we lost the last time we lost the game and stayed top of the table was... When we got beat at Anfield in April 1987, 3-1. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> That's why you're we, the stat man. That's why yeah, you're yeah. I, I think it was. I think it was. You know, 
But we went on to win the league that season, so we can do the same. Another round this, like this year. <laughs> I mean, the only difference then there was four games left. There's thirty-two left now, but um, <laughs> so we have got a we've got a nice precedent there. So yeah, I'm with everybody else. I mean, I think you've got to throw it in with like a few good signings, existing players. You know, you know, up in their game. Um, as well as the results, you've got to throw all that into the mix, haven't you? Really, so no complaints for me. I think, and it sort of fits in with the. I think there's been a hell to scale season, so I don't think anybody was going to do a Liverpool or Manchester City, you know, ten or twenty game run from the start of the campaign because it's not been that 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 type of campaign, has it? Really, I think it's the first time. Is it? Is it the the earliest time every team's lost? In a, yeah, so in a like top flight in '67, isn't it? Some '67, '68. So, um, but it's in our defeat. If you want to look at it, um, stretching a point is, is in keeping. I think with the with the, the rest of the results this campaign. But also, I, some some credit here. How well did Sam Padmanson play? They look a really mm-hmm. well organised, uh, well coached side. As I say, I think they got three wins and draw in four games. Ended last season really well. Um, they all. I won't be surprised if they're in 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 the European places or thereabouts. Come the end of the season, I think they uh, think they're an excellent team. You know, with a with a, a very very good coach. Mm. And Sam, our resident Mister Positivity as well. You know, mm. one one bad result, you you can't let that cloud over what's been a fantastic start to the season, can you? I think we're going to get relegated now. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Really speaking of the other day, it's all, it, it kills me deep down to say, but I do still think Liverpool and, and City as well, even though they've been pretty poor, I think both teams do have that capability of just because they know how to win, basically, and how to, how to see it out. I, I think both both of them could go on little 10, 15 game win streaks and, and it could just be between them two again. But at the same time, I, I do still think this squad, from what we've seen in those first six games, games, you know, wipe off the Southampton one, obviously. Um, we've got enough to at least be in the conversation for the majority of the season. And, you know, I'm not even talking about finishing third or fourth, even if we got down to the last five or ten games in a position like we were under Martinez, you know, where you're saying, you know, win a couple of games and, and we could be knocking on the door for the Champions League. I think that's what I want to see. But minimum, you know, we, we should be 100% in the conversation for the Europa League, as Gav's saying, Southampton look decent, Leicester are decent. But everyone is just beating each other. And I don't think we're going to get a clear idea of who's where until we're probably 15, 20 games in, really. So that's why, for me, the Newcastle game and the couple of little games we've got after that is so important. You know, we can't get bogged down by this one defeat. You know, let's get it back to business as usual. Let's hope hope for the James Rodriguez and Dominic Carver-Lewin show next weekend. And I think, you know, like what's happened... To Liverpool, you know, a couple of good results then and a bad result can can quite quickly be forgotten about, um, and that that that's basically what we what we need to do now. So it's a big a big couple of weeks coming up now, and and I do uh, hope that it's been a bit crap this, hasn't it? Talking about the defeat, so hopefully next week we're back to uh, me and Preno being confident and Gav just having his usual moan. <laughs> well, I can't really, I can't really argue with that, can I? Really? Oh, there, there you go. There you no. go. At least we're accepting it. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I did say we'd end on an upbeat note, so thank you very much for joining us, lads. Uh, don't forget you can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from, and don't forget you can join in the conversation on Facebook and Twitter as well. Make sure to tweet any of us any questions that you might have uh, during the week, and we'll be sure to get to them on our next podcast. We'll be back later in the week, of course, to look ahead to an important game against Newcastle next weekend. Uh, you have been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.